1: I am Dan Lorenzo from the Cursed Hades nonfiction, and who knows what else. And I love the show Talking Metal, which is what you are listening to right now. Cool. This is Chris and Maria from In This Moment, and you're listening to Talking Metal. All
2: right, hey, this is Chris from Lamb of God, and you're listening to Talking Metal.
1: Hello, this is Tony Iommi, and you're listening to Talking Metal.
2: Hey, this is Luke from Sound of Fury, and you're listening to Talking Metal.
1: Hi, this is Alex Grossi, and you're listening to Talking Metal, biatch. This is Michael Grant with Endeavor Raster, and you're listening to Talking Metal.
3: All right, man. On Sunday, August 24th at 1130, the Independent Film Channel presents Z-Rock, a new comedy series about three guys. The girls love it. Who are in a rock band by night.
0: Fortune.
3: And a kid's band by day.
0: <laughs>
3: Z-Rock, based on a kind of true story. With special guests, Sebastian Bach, John Popper, Gilbert Godfrey, D. Snyder, Dave Navarro. Who here has banged Carmen Electra? And Joan Rivers. I'm
1: very excited. You can't tell because I had the Botox this morning.
3: Z-Rock, premieres Sunday, August 24th at 11.30. Only on IFC, the independent film channel. Broadcasting around the world. Around the world. Around the world. From Jersey City, New Jersey. This is the Talking Metal Podcast. Here are your hosts, Mark Striegel and John Astronomy.
4: A whole lot of love on the jukebox. This is John Astronomy coming to you from the Harrison Green Room. Here is Mark Striegel. Hey John, how you doing? We're in Harrison, New Jersey
2: today at the Green Room. And we're gonna reread some letters because we uh, actually read, we actually did this episode once already, and uh, it is a redo. Do you care to explain to your listeners why it is a redo?
4: We were hanging out at the sandbar, and you listeners may have heard a few other podcasts from the sandbar. And we decided, due to the excessive consumption of various substances that were all legal that we were going to do this episode over again and make it sound great. And you know it's bad if, if we got to do an episode <laughs> over because we let pl-
2: plenty of stuff go. Um, anyways, Bass Dog, uh, long-time Talking Metal listener. It was an honor for, uh, for us to meet him on, separately. We weren't together. He, he swung by, actually, Bionic, where I was editing footage for a new show coming to Sci-Fi called Sanctuary. And uh, he was with his son, and he swung by. He's been a longtime listener that has written in many emails to the show. I don't think he's on the forums, but he does listen to all the, all the podcasts. And it was great to meet you in person, Bass Dog, a.k.a. Stuart Johnson. Uh, a privilege, definitely. Where was he visiting from, by the way? Where, where's home
4: base from? Is it Oklahoma or something? I think Bass Dog is from St. Louis. St. Louis, right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what's great is that you hung out with Bass Dog at Bionic, and then I met Bass Dog up at the Hard Rock Cafe. We had a drink, and then I had to run out to have a rehearsal with you, Dan Lorenzo, Ellen, and... Ron. And Ron, one of my favorite drummers. I actually still have two beers in my refrigerator that Ron gave me. Saving them as. some kind of weird collector's item or something yeah, yeah collector's item ron from
2: overkill beer michael grant is on today's show guys so stay tuned for that we got a bunch of letters uh i heard you know what i heard today on sirius uh the heart attack channel jose's channel a wild version of fractured mirror they played this at twelve fifty eastern standard time today august 1st it'll probably be a lot later by the time you hear this but the day we are recording is August 1st here. And uh, is that on that Return to the Comet CD that you uh, put together and had Dimebag on? I, I, what, what song did he do on that?
4: Was it Fractured Mirror? Dimebag did Snowblind on Return of the Comet. Yeah, Snowblind, which you've played on the podcast. Correct. Uh, that song, Fractured Mirror, came from Spacewalk, a tribute to Ace Frehley, which is another Ace tribute album. That. a bunch of great guys played on Bruce Bouillet, who uh, played with a lot of other people
2: yeah Racer X guy and also uh,
4: he produced um, Sean Baker's uh, CD absolutely that whole gang of people were on there I think Marty Friedman was on it uh, Sebastian had a song on it in, uh, the, you know what else he was in The Scream right right with John Karabi was in The Scream yes yes pre Motley Crew. and I believe that was produced by Eddie Kramer don't know <laughs> I think it was, and believe it or not, Eddie Kramer was once—I don't know if I ever told you this—but interested in what we were doing in the old days.
2: Uh, no, you never told me. <laughs> Sorry. I, I did. I did have back when I was, you know, trying to be a professional musician back in the '90s. Um, I did have uh, my music listened to by a lot of people. It's interesting. I, um, I didn't know the Eddie Kramer thing, but. I played some of my music for uh, Steve Lillewife, Lily and he didn't like it. He said it sounded too much like Rush. He wasn't into Rush. That's a compliment, in my opinion. And the, and the other guy, his name, the real big guy, the guy who did The Wall and Destroyer. Bob and, Ezrin. Yeah, yeah, Bob Ezrin, the guy who did The Wall and Destroyer, also listened to some of my music. Uh, I used to do some work with Derek Sivers uh, from CD Baby, and he actually hooked me up with Bob Ezrin in Las Vegas. We had lunch together. It was me, Bob, and like five other guys, but it was still pretty cool. I gave him my CD, and he checked it out, and real
4: personable, nice guy. Absolutely. I actually met Bob for the first time a few months ago at the Icons of Music 2 auction at the Hard Rock Cafe that Gibson Guitars was involved in, and I had introduced myself, told Bob who I was, and then later on in the... uh, day i was walking through the hallway and i heard somebody go hey john what's going on and i looked and it was bob ezrin and i just was blown away by the fact that bob ezrin remembered who i was yeah definitely definitely and uh, he, he knew Derek like
2: like that too i remember when we got back to kennedy airport in new york after flying back from vegas we ran into bob at the baggage claim and he went hey Derek, what's up and they were talking about stuff so uh, very personable nice down to earth guy who also produced a
4: band called Kula Shaker. Very cool. And uh, Bob, you know, worked with Kiss on so many great records, uh, Destroyer and The Elder, on Revenge as well, which is one of the greatest Kiss albums.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Anyways, do you want to uh, get into a little music now? Maybe play that Dimebag song we were just talking about?
4: Let's do it. Let's hear Fractured Mirror by Dimebag Daryl from... Spacewalk, a tribute to Ace Frehley.
2: That was Fractured Mirror, the Ace Frehley classic performed by Dimebag. Very cool stuff. And, uh, yeah, they did a whole Dimebag kind of tribute. I guess they're doing that down at OzFest this year, and they had a a special on Serious Heart Attack Radio today. So that was fun to listen to for sure.
4: Very, very cool. Coming up, we're going to have our interview with Michael Grant from Endeavor After. Great band, great musician, great singer, great guitar player. But first, we're going to get into... How about two letters? You read one, I read one. Go
0: for it.
4: Okay, I'm going to read one here. This is from Andrew. He says, Hey guys, I love the podcast and especially the show. My favorite part is always the jams you do. I love the songs and the musicians you play with, and I think it's great. I wish I could do things like that with the music that I love. I'm a sophomore in high school, and I'm... Tired of trying to explain to my family and some of my friends why I love it that much. I guess Talking Metal is the one place where everyone gets it and nobody can judge. Keep it going and keep it rocking. Andrew. Great letter from Andrew. Yes, thanks, Andrew. Here's a letter
2: that came in a while back already. uh, And the subject says, Bruce Dickinson's weed problems. Hey guys, keep fighting for metal. I listened to the latest podcast and you guys were talking about the Maiden concert and Bruce Dickinson and how lame his pot lectures are. I recently purchased Guitar Legends Mag with Iron Maiden being the topic of the mag. Uh, And when Bruce was reflecting on joining Maiden for the third album, he said, and this is a quote, As soon as I walked in, I knew there was something special. This was something different from anything... As soon as I walked in, I knew this was something different from anything I'd known before. They had proper professional roadies, a proper monitor. They had cars laid on, everything. I thought, right, there's no smoking dope in the back of that tour bus. Um, so I don't know, probably messes up his voice. And if Bruce is going to tell some kids not to smoke weed during a show, more power to him. And the way this printed out, I'm having trouble reading Sorry,
4: it's in green.
2: Anyways, yeah, it's, uh, well, it got cut off. Because,
4: uh,
2: oh, it says, because I forked over a-, a hundred bucks to see Maiden, and the vocals better be fucking good. Keep the good work up, up the irons. Uh, great letter and good point. You, you know, when you're paying all this crazy money for these uh these Iron Maiden tickets, it's nice to actually have a singer who can sing. And, uh... I, you know I respect Bruce Dickinson's uh, not wanting smoking in the arena and there you know and there's legally no smoking of anything in Madison Square Garden so I just wish it wouldn't have been the first thing out of his mouth I wish he would have you know said great to be here you know hello New York anything but you know start whining uh, but it, nonetheless a great great show by Maiden and if you missed them on their recent tour uh, you really missed just a, a terrific trip back to the past all 80s maiden songs with the exception of maybe one song from the 90s
4: by the way quick story and i'm going to make it very very quick because i know that when we're reading these letters we want to just keep them going but i want to say that i once saw maiden in 1988 ace fraley was opening up and i had a similar incident of course. Who else would be opening up? Right. If you're at the show, right? If I'm at the so show. It, a Maiden fan, too. Right. I mean, absolutely. I saw them uh, somewhere in time. I saw various tours. I actually won a contest for drawing the best Eddie Banner. Cool. Me and my friends, by the way. So anyway, what happened was Ace's Smoking Guitar went off. You know, because Ace was opening up. And then when Bruce came on stage, he smelled the smoke. And he accused the crowd, because it was near 4th of July, of setting off a smoke bomb. Yeah,
2: so he was even complaining about the smoke way back when.
4: Way back in 88. And uh, you know what? I'm sure that he realized after a couple of shows that that smoke was on stage every day. And it was not fans doing it. It was uh, Ace. Right on. Here's a letter from... Baronio.
2: How do you say this name here? Bar- Baronio. Baronio. Nice name, dude. Baronio. All right, Baronio. Here's your email. Hey, I wanted to say how much I've been enjoying the show, except one thing. You guys are cheesy as fuck. I can see that you guys are true metal fans, but the show is just like a parody of what metal used to be. Is that how we honor metal? I hope this doesn't come off bad because I really like the info i get but the, sh- the show should be more megadeth and less bon jovi attitude wise just a thought rock on antonio i don't know why his his gmail address baronio. is baronio yeah, but does. uh
4: his name is antonio not baronio there you go
2: anyways this antonio attached his myspace page which sucks dude you really your music is just god awful and uh, I mean Bon Jovi We didn't have Bon Jovi on the show We did have Megadeth on the show
4: Oh my god I am laughing because uh, I'm still laughing at the Baronio Antonio confusion Because Erica Our very very nice bartender Is also laughing Here's the deal We respect all opinions I haven't listened to the music yet But I will check it out And I'll reserve my opinion For the next episode Or maybe the next episode that we tape yeah, well, check it out. It's myspace.com
2: slash the rock, rock-o-cycle. That's T-H-E-R-O-C-K-O-C-Y-C-L-E. It sucks, dude. It's horrible.
4: <laughs> you know what? The funny thing is that uh, I'm trying to decipher whether Antonio meant that as a cut down or not. I don't know. I can't know. <laughs> Of course he did. Okay, okay. We're cheesy as fuck. Uh, okay. I guess that means that it's a cut down. Yeah, I yeah, uh, Here's the deal. I don't know. Maybe
2: I don't know if he's talking about the Fuse Show or the um, the podcast or both,
4: and or both. My favorite three words. We've had
2: numerous Megadeth oriented yes. yes. guests, uh, including Dave Mustaine and uh, Dave Elfson a couple yes. times at this point. We've never had any members of Bon Jovi, and I have nothing against Bon Jovi. I actually like some of their earlier records. I haven't followed them. Since uh, the New Jersey record. So it's been a while. But uh, I have nothing against those guys. I always I always liked their stuff. Uh, always was more into the heavier stuff.
4: I saw Bon Jovi open up for Rat way back
2: when. I saw that tour too at the uh, Rosemont Horizon in Chicago. I've only seen Bon Jovi twice. I've seen Megadeth like 18 times. But I uh, saw Bon Jovi open for Rat. Uh which was their second album, and then I saw them on the next tour, the Slippery One Wet Tour at the Chicago Pavilion.
4: But anyways, whatever. So let's get into the interview with Endeavor After's Michael Grant. These guys are great. We're going to do the interview, and then we're going to follow that up with two great, great tracks, Baby, 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 and I Want to Be Your Man, which is really cool because it – features some great double bass and some really cool harmony metal leads which will like bring you guys all back to the you know 1980s the early 80s yeah and support these guys by using the links
2: in talkingmetal.com in today's show notes to download their music off itunes all itunes users please use those links in today's show notes to open up itunes and buy the two tracks that we play by Endeavor After. Great, great band.
4: And I want to just clarify that I didn't mean that the band is going to bring you back to the 80s, but I mean that these harmony leads are going to bring you back to some of the roots of metal. Iron Maiden, two guitar players. Judas Priest, two guitar players. The harmony stuff, yeah. All spoken
2: dialogue in today's show is copyright 2008 by Talking Metal. Check us out at TalkingMetal.com. You got... MySpace.com slash TalkingMetal, Twitter.com slash TalkingMetal, Astronomy.net, MarkStriegel.net, you name it, 10 million sites out there, all devoted to Mark and John.
4: We are going to be doing a brand new blog by the time you hear this at Fuse.tv, so check that out as well. Yeah,
2: cool. Let's talk about that in an upcoming episode. We'll talk more about the Fuse blog. But we'll have – go to our news section. We'll have a news item hopefully up soon about the the new – the brand new Fuse blog. We were just asked by Fuse to write a blog for them.
4: And I got another item that I want to tell you. Guns N' Roses, our favorite band, coming on the podcast right now. Not in person, but
2: via Jukebox. Well, anyways, let's get into the interview. Here's Michael Grant from End Ever After. And we'll have links up to his MySpace page
4: and website in today's show notes. Go out and support these guys. Here is Michael Grant, John Astronomy, and Mark Strigel.
3: And now, on the phones, Michael Grant from End Ever After. Michael. Hey, Michael, are you there?
4: Hello, Michael. Yes. Hey. Michael, hey, man. How you doing? This I is John.
1: I, I, heard, I heard you like way far away. It was very, very quiet for a
4: second. Is it? Is it good now? It's perfect now. Cool. You sound beautiful. Excellent, man. Michael, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, which, what's pretty neat is that uh, I work with Dana, uh, who I'm sure you know, who uh, works with yeah. Gibson Guitars, and um, I've known about you guys for a while, and, and then... You know, uh, separately, Mark discovered you guys as well, and uh, we were, got to talking and decided that we definitely wanted to get on talking metal.
0: Yeah, I,
2: I read about you guys in Revolver magazine. There was a cool little write-up on you in there.
4: Yeah, I was—I was,
1: uh, I was uh, the way I found out about that was um, this fan just kind of when I was on stage like two nights ago, just handed me the page. I was so excited. I was like, "Nice, that's awesome!" We're in Revolver. No, very excited about it.
2: Now, you guys have done tours and shows with everybody from Kiss to Fuel to Fallout Boy, which to me, those are like. Po- What's that? Yeah,
1: just tons of different, different bands. Different Yeah, types different, of music. Different, different styles. Even. Yeah, different styles, different genres, different eras.
2: <laughs> yeah, and how how. Do the fans react? I mean, different types of fans. You're going to get probably older fans, I'd imagine, at like a Kiss concert, and probably younger yeah. kids at a Fallout Boy show. And are you seeing across the board good reaction, or or are some fans reacting better to you guys than others?
1: Most definitely, it uh, the the reaction has been pretty uh, pretty constant, pretty consistent. It doesn't really matter if we're playing with Kiss or Poison or Cinderella, Fallout Boy, Panic at the Disco. Um, the kids just seem to love it, like, no matter what. We've never really gotten a bad response. There's always sort of, like, um, an introductory awkwardness, you know, for them to sort of get into it, but by the, you know, by the third or fourth song, they're ours.
4: Very cool. Now, you guys have uh, been touring a lot for the great record Kiss or Kill, which is out on Razor and Tie and Thank had you a-
1: very much, yeah.
4: You're welcome, man. Um, my question was, now... Are any of the songs from the Kiss or Kill record from the Ashes of Sin record?
1: Yes, actually, it was, all the songs. I mean, the, the original album title was supposed to be called From the Ashes of Sin. And last minute, I just felt like it wasn't a strong enough, uh, strong enough album title. So uh, I, I came up with Kiss or Kill, and it just, it just felt right to the band and to myself. And we all sort of were in complete agreement that it was a stronger title.
4: I have to tell you that some some of the tracks uh, are just unbelievable, though the ones that I've heard. I Want to Be Your Man. Thank you. uh, the double bass and the harmony riff uh, at the beginning are just great. And then, you know— Baby, 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 which is the the current single that just came out, uh, released as a single in May. Uh, right. It's great because I love the beat. It's that Motown kind of like Deuce from Kiss style beat. And uh, awesome
0: that you
1: picked that out, by the way. Did,
4: did you, is uh, that's great, man. Did, were you aware of that? Is that one of the songs that influenced no, you?
1: Yes, definitely. I mean, a, among other influences within that song, that is definitely. I mean, I grew up with Motown, and I grew up with you know R and B and soul and blues, and that was. Uh, Definitely big around the big around the house.
4: Very cool, man.
2: Yeah, I mean the one thing I, I thought was cool. I was at your MySpace page, and I got to the MySpace page, and immediately the the Spoon track kicked on, and and I was reading the influences you have, you know, from Spoon to Coldplay to to Dream right. Theater how how did so many kids that we talk to uh, and i mean you're a kid compared to us but uh i seem to be just into one style of music how did you get so well-rounded were you brought up that way
1: well i think it i think that has to do with having siblings that are all different ages for one and um the second the second would be uh, my dad he just like raised me on so much great music like my first my first inklings of music were the Beatles, the Stones, Michael Jackson, um, Led Zeppelin, uh, you know. And then I had I had a brother who's ten years older than me, and then I had a, a sister who's older than me, and another brother who's like three years older than me. So then I had all this, all the, all the different generations of great music. So, you know, my older brother introduced me to Bon Jovi, Guns N' Roses, Van Halen. A lot of the '80s bands, and then my sister was like way more into New Wave, and she introduced me to like Depeche Mode and Oingo Boingo, and you know, uh, new like a bunch of a, a bunch of New Wave artists and stuff like that. And my brother, my other brother Azeron, he introduced me to the Smashing Pumpkins, he introduced me to. Um, uh, Soundgarden. He introduced me, to all these great bands. He introduced me to the Cure. He introduced me. You know, so I've always had this huge, broad spectrum of music. You know, so ever since I was a kid. And you know, my dad, like I told you, was Beatles, Stones, Elvis. Like, so I've always had, I've always had a great, a vast, great collection of music around the house. My dad had all his all his vinyls and all his 45s. My brother had all his tapes and cassettes and CDs and stuff. And I mean, I was just sort of like an audiophile. I would just sit down there and like, and, and absorb it all. Yeah. Soak it
2: all up. Definitely. And you guys,
1: I just soaked it all up. You guys are from, I went into my own sort of mission to search for other music. And that's when I found, you know, stuff like Ryan Adams and spoon and, and, uh, you know, Kings of Leon and stuff like that. Right.
2: Cool. And you? did you grow up in the Queens area? I know your family's originally from Queens, right? I
1: was born uh, I was born in Flushing, Queens, New York. Uh, I lived there for about 10 years. Then I moved to New, uh, Bergen, Bergen County, New Jersey. Lived there, for, uh, lived there for two, three years. And then I moved out to California, which is also another, you know, an, I think another contributor to having sort of the best of both worlds. Because as you know, the East Coast is totally different from the West Coast and it's a totally different vibe, but, you know, that, having both, having both, uh, as I say, Guns N' Roses, is playing at the, on the radio right now. Oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just had the best of both worlds as far as the East and West, you know, I had, I had the California dreaming Beach Sunset sort of thing, and I had the, you know, I had the New York Ruffian sort of uh, fast-paced kind of vibe going on, so, I don't you know, I just, I was for, I was very fortunate enough to just be super super well rounded and have this this uh, group of people who just got me in the great music, you know.
4: I, now, oh, go ahead, John. I was going to say that I think the fact that you're from both coasts and that you had uh, siblings who introduced you to a wide variety of music of music really helped you in your songwriting because, uh, like you like, not many people would know that the the beat, um, you know. To baby 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 has uh, like roots back to the motown years, and right. uh, and I think that that is uh helpful to musicians to have a, you know, kind of like, what would you call it, like a, a education on all of music, not just one s- single style, and Mark was saying this earlier, that, Agreed. you know, so yeah. many people nowadays just like one style of music, and, and don't, they kind of blinders on, and I think to, to be able to write true great songs, you should know a little bit about everything.
1: Agreed. I really agree with that. I think you have to be very well-rounded, and spread yourself sort of wide, and just learn how to appreciate what, you know, what's coming. Cause there's, you know, good music comes in all shapes, and different forms. I mean, I think that period, bottom line, no matter what the genre is, no matter what the style is, there's only two types of music and that's good music and bad music.
4: Correct.
1: You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, no matter what genre you, you look in, you know, blues, jazz, um, rock, pop, punk, it's all it's either going to be good or it's going to be bad. <laughs>
2: right. Now when you headed out to California, did you go out there solo or were did your family relocate out there?
1: No, you know, basically my uh my my mother wanted to be close to uh to her her family like her her, her sisters and brothers and and uh, also her mother was dying at the time so she wanted to be close to her mother so we moved out to uh we moved out to California, we moved to Sacramento. Right. And um, you know, it was there it was just such a shocking change of pace. It was a lot slower. It was, you know, suburban. We were living in a a little bit of a lower class area. It was a little rough, you know, and, but, uh, you know, we stuck, we stuck it out and everything turned out well. I think it's still a good place. I I think I still love Sacramento in in very many ways, even though I've not seen it for a year now. I think
2: you guys have been on the road that long.
1: We've been on the road for about three years. Constantly just touring and, you know, taking... And it doesn't matter to us. We'll play... We usually just want to stay busy and we'll take shows where there's 30 people and then we play shows the next day where it's 30,000 people. It's pretty crazy.
2: Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk about some of the people, some of the, I guess, fans, you could say of the band, uh, Vince Neil, you guys were invited on his monthly cruise. Oh my God. Yeah. Tell us a little that bit about that. John and I time. almost went on We that, almost actually, got on we, that and I'm so yeah.
4: bummed and I'm going to be so jealous to hear your story about the, I've Motley got cruise. Some great stories from the cruise. um,
1: Let's see the the second night of the cruise. Uh, I was just I was just sitting in another uh, in one of the the rooms where some of the some of the, uh, the smaller bands perform, like ourselves and you know like uh, like Lynam. I think Lynam was another band that was on there. And um, I was just watching Lynam play, and and this guy comes up to me. I think he remembered that I played guitar, and he goes he taps me on the shoulder. His guy's name his name's Randy. And he goes, Hey, man, um, you know, Vince is looking for a guitarist to jam with in the other room. Can you play guitar? And I was like, Yeah, I can play guitar. And uh, I ran over there, and by the time I got there, there was this other kid playing guitar. And I was kind of bummed. I was like, Great, well, now I don't get to really jam or do nothing, you know? So I'm watching them jam. They finish whatever, you know, whatever song they're doing, and it's Vince Neal, this kid, and, uh, and, uh, I don't even know who the drummer was. It didn't really matter as long as Vince Neil was on that damn stage. That's cool. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, they want him to do an encore. And he, the song that Vince had picked was Led Zeppelin's Rock and Roll. So he asks the crowd, is anybody in this room, and by this time, by the time he asked this question, there's about 400 people packed into a room that seats about 160, 180 tops. So it is just like packed, jam-packed, right? And uh, he's like, does anybody here know how to play Led Zeppelin's Rock and Roll? And I kind of, you know, I kind of, like, laid back because I figured, you know, a bunch of people would know how to play it. Nobody raised their hand. <laughs> Room of 400 people, nobody knew how to play it. So I raised my hand. I walked over there. I grabbed this uh, I grabbed this uh, pink and green Ibanez RG guitar that was, like, strapped all the way to my chest almost. It's so high. You know? <laughs> And uh, next thing you know, the drummer's just. We all go in. And next thing you know, I'm, you know, pardon my French, I am effing jamming with Vince Neil on stage, and we're, we're playing we're playing rock and roll. That's
2: you know, awesome. and every
1: time we do the stops in between, you know. <speaking> the crowd is singing lonely, lonely, lonely time and me and Vince are like back to back. Then uh, after we finish that song after we finish that song, Vince is like you know, saying thank you and walking off. And uh I wasn't about to let him just walk away. So what do I do? I start playing this riff <laughs> nice. Start playing. We started playing um live wire I started playing live wire and the drummer jumped in and all the crowd went crazy and he couldn't walk off by then.
4: That's awesome. Man. So, what so an amazing story. And that's the yeah. second night?
1: This is the second night.
4: Jeez. Wow. Now how many days was that, Cruz?
1: It was four days. It was a four-day uh, cruise total.
4: Now, when you guys went to some of the different islands, did you stop and you had a chance to get off the boat, or how did that work?
1: Yeah, we got off on uh, we got off on Cozumel and we got off in Key West. Those are the only two stops that Man. we had. And where
4: did you get on at?
1: We uh we got on in uh Miami
4: Beach, Miami. Florida. Believe it or not, I never had a passport before and I went and got my passport rushed to me, paid all this extra money because I thought I was going to go on the cruise and then unfortunately the cruise never happened for talking metal, but uh, maybe next oh, year. Ah, that
1: sucks. Yeah, maybe I next know. year.
4: Definitely. Another guy who is a
2: fan of you guys, uh, that a lot of people are making a big deal out of the fact that he likes you guys is Pete from Fallout Boy. Uh, how did you right. he come in contact with you guys?
1: have no clue how he got a hold of. Uh, we had this. Uh, we self produced I self-produced this uh, this EP of ours called "Blood on the Stage" back in uh, two thousand five, I believe. Uh, and somehow he got a hold of it. And next thing you know, Crush Management was flying out to uh, to see us live at a ve- at a church venue in wow. Sacramento because. There were no venues and in, in no all-ages venues over there that, you know, that would hold shows except for these church venues. So, you know, there's a little, it sucked because there was these little stipulations like wine you couldn't curse, you could, there was no there was no nudity, and I'm pretty notorious for playing with my shirt off, and um, there's all these limitations and things you couldn't do. So they go to this church, you know, and, and, and there's like a room where all these kids are going and they walk in and... This guy, Jonathan Daniels, who, who is also manages Fallout Boy and Panic at the Disco, and um, I met him for the first time, and that's how the the whole connection of Fallout Boy and, and Endeavor After and Crush Management sort of sort of took place. It was in Sacramento, like 2005. They'd flown out and wanted to see us, and I, it was weird because it was at this time there was all these um, there was all these you know these labels flying out, and I was just like, wow, I can't believe this is happening, like. Because at first we were a laughing stock and then we became hometown heroes. It was crazy. Wow.
2: And,
0: and did you guys were like... People
1: like, were like, wow, this is so cheesy, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, it's so 80s, blah, and it's so 70s, it's so 80s, and it's like... I was like, well, I don't want to play what you're playing because you sound just like everybody else.
2: Right. But but you've mentioned earlier that you find that maybe kids that, that aren't Motley Crue fans or aren't KISS fans are actually into End Oh, my God,
1: they're... I, I've never had a crowd and we played like like um we played with gym class heroes even that is not even our demographic or our crowd or nothing. You know, we played with gym class heroes the crowd went insane. We played with Cobra Starship, crowd goes insane. We played with Fall Out Boy, the crowd goes nuts. Like it's, uh, it's 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 pretty weird and I'm I feel very privileged and blessed that that um no matter what crowd we play in front of it just happens to be that they end up loving us.
4: Well, I think it's cool. Uh, I got a couple more questions. I think it's cool because, you know, you have songs with, like, double bass and some cool harmonies that kind of remind me of uh, more of, um, you know, like, metal 80s. St- like, I don't mean, like, Poison influences, but I mean, like, like Iron Maiden kind of influences. And, oh, I mean, I love, mean, main I, main love I love all that <laughs> stuff. I love Maiden. I love Maiden, man. Yeah, I, I love even the Poison stuff, too. But then you've got songs that that really have a rock and roll kind of like sleazy Guns and Roses style. And I just think that that's probably one of the reasons that you can appeal to so many different types of fans and is because, you know, you had such a, a broad influence in songwriting that's and right. and, you know, that helps you because, you know, some bands just, you know, they appeal to just like a sliver of the population of hard rock or metal lovers right. and uh but but you know I'd rather be you guys you know who can appeal to everybody
0: right and, i i
1: would too and I, honestly i think the the main thing is when you see us on stage you can tell that every member loves what they're doing is comfortable in their own skin and and loves the music and has a deep appreciation for what we do um i think that i think it shows in our stage show that we have a good time, and there's a genuine and general chemistry that goes on between four members that, you know, that you can't, you, you don't find every day. And, and we happen to all be like best friends, like in real life. We're not a bunch of dudes who grab some instruments and hate each other's fucking guts.
4: Right. Well, that's great that, like that you guys I like that. It's really hard to find four guys who can be best friends and can love what you guys are doing collectively and, you know, good for you guys for that. Right. I have I have one more question to ask you. Um uh and you guys did something that would be a dream come true for me. You opened for my favorite band Kiss. Tell me about that. Yeah. And in Japan. How cool is that? That's even cooler than doing it here in the United States.
1: How about this? How about this? We did not even have an album out yet.
4: Wow. How, we, how did just, how'd you guys do that?
1: We had just gotten, okay, here, here, uh, we magically, because, um, Poison, uh, Poison got a hold of our EP2, the Blood on the Stage EP. And, um, I guess it just sort of spread like wildfire. They showed everybody and it got to the right hands and I guess it got to Doc McGee, and, cool. um, you know, they were putting together this festival in, in Japan called Udo Festival.
4: Right, I remember when that happened.
1: And, you know, I mean, there's been such awesome acts as Motley Crue and such that have graced it, you know, Bon Jovi, Ozzy Osbourne.
4: Yeah, Udo's the promoter, and I think that Nikki Sixx wrote about him in his
1: yeah, book. exactly, and I, he was so great to us. He, he, Oh, my God, he invited us out, treated us really great and we got to hang with him for a little while and talk with him and he was really cool to all of us all of us in the band and this festival among others was uh it was uh, us kiss sebastian bach bad company and then we had the pussycat dolls and cool you know luckily we were on the, sta- at the same stage as kiss and everything like that so got to meet kiss in the catering room there was you know, there was an odd moment where all everybody in the catering room was there. You know, there was like Pennywise, us, uh, Pussycat Dolls. Everybody's trying to hit on the Pussycat Dolls, <laughs> wow. including myself. You know, yeah, and good Kiss, for you. Is out, <laughs> Kiss is out there, and there's all these, you know, these shitty rockers and these up-class pop artists. It was just such a crazy cast of characters all getting along. You was know? Kiss
4: in makeup or without makeup? Kiss
1: was not in makeup when they were in the catering
4: room. Oh, house. okay. Oh.
1: But um, they were cool enough to take pictures, and I've, since then I've seen Tommy Thayer and uh, and uh, Eric uh, Eric Singer. Eric, I've seen Eric Singer at Nam, and I couldn't believe it. He was one of the greatest guys ever. He he remembered who I was, and you know I didn't expect him to remember who I was because. It, it's not like we were anybody we didn't have an album or anything he was like you are michael from the band endeavor after i met you in japan i was like you are a fucking computer database man that is <laughs>
4: cool very cool man hey but michael
1: the feeling the feel, the feeling of opening for them it, it was insane the, the call the time when i got the call for you know hey i you know my manager called me and he was like uh how would you like to open uh, for kiss for two days in japan and i i I was like, "Don't play with me right now, because
0: uh,
1: <laughs> I will cry," you know. And I, you know, I, I put the phone down, did the whole jump in the air and be a little girl kind of. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> great. When we got when we got there, it was the whole thing. Generally, was surreal for every member we just couldn't believe we were there we and they they paid us an insane amount of money to do it and we were just wow. like
4: i'm surprised
1: i was like we'll pay you to do this
4: <laughs> right. i mean good for you and mark wasn't surprised that that somebody would pay endeavor after but he was just surprised that they would pay anybody an insane amount of money <laughs> <laughs> exactly I, that's yeah i mean
2: talking. i i've heard of bands actually paying to open to play, for Kiss. Right. yeah definitely acdc too actually
1: i would do that i would pay i would, I would give up my you know my allowance, my per diems, and, you know, whatever I could to open for KISS or ACDC, you know.
2: Well, listen, Michael, thank you so much for joining us on Talking Metal. I want to encourage all the Talking Metal listeners to use the links in today's show notes to download KISS or KILL by End Ever After, an amazing record. We're going to get into a few songs right now. We really believe in the record, and we're honored that you joined us. By the way, the video is definitely— I'm honored
1: to be joined with you guys, man. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, you
2: bet. The the video for Baby, Baby, Baby is awesome, by the way. Were you guys involved (laughs) in the casting call for that?
1: I was in, I was 100% involved with the casting. Can
2: I come out um, and hang with you yeah. next time I'm out in California? <laughs> let us let us know Definitely. when the casting call for the, the next cast, video the is going on.
1: The casting, you'll love it. Real quick, it was just me and a line of like 120 girls out the door, and the casting call called for all these girls to be in bikinis. So my job was to stay in the room yeah, and drop a piece of candy on the floor and watch a girl pick it up in her bikini. You're, that was my job for like five, six hours just. Girl, after girl, after girl. Hollywood's finest.
4: You're oh hired God. as uh West Coast casting for talking metal anything that we do.
1: You got it, man. Okay. I'm in. <laughs> I am in. I am your man. okay All on me. And before
2: we let you go, Michael, could we get a ID saying uh your name, your band, and you're listening to Talking Metal? Yes. Whenever you're ready.
1: All right. This is Michael Grant with Endeavor After, and you're listening to Talking Metal.
4: All right, man, Michael. Thank you very much, and I want to send a special thanks to Dana Gordon and everybody. Go buy Endeavor after, and this thanks. is oh, "I Want to Be Your Man," followed by "Baby, Baby, Baby." I'm talking, yeah, man. rocket
2: Awesome.
3: On Sunday, August 24th at 11.30, the Independent Film Channel presents Z Rock, a new comedy series about three guys. The girls love it. Who are in a rock band by night.
0: Four too late. And
3: a kids band by day.
0: <laughs>
3: Z Rock, based on a kind of true story, with special guests Sebastian Bach, John Popper, Gilbert Godfrey, Dee Snyder, Dave Navarro. Who here has banged Carmen Electra? And Joan Rivers. I'm
1: very excited. You can't tell
3: because I had the Botox this morning. Z Rock, premieres Sunday, August 24th at 11.30, Only on IFC, the Independent Film Channel.